It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, NFL on Twitter and across five. I've done this before. Peter and I recorded an episode yesterday, and I'm sort of tacking this on for the schedule release because, you know, schedules and the magic of editing and all. So let's talk about the schedule. But what I do want to get around to is, is I want to talk about the plans for London. I want to talk about the group trip. All of these are in their infancy, right? So, and I'm also... Hopefully going to find out something about the pep rally with the Packers, but that seems to be sort of further away than the stuff that I can control, um, which is the sort of, you know, London game arrangements and also the group trip arrangements, which people are mad to find out about. So first things first, let's run through the schedule and I'll talk about the group trip. Now, a caveat on this is that I have contacted Ben. We've chatted a bit, but we haven't sat down for the planning meeting where we sort of work out finer details, expected cost, all that kind of stuff. Um, so what I'm about to go on and say has not been approved or verified or any of that kind of stuff. It's just when you look at the schedule, as I go through it, you'll understand. Um, so preseason games, I would say no one cares about, but it's going to be great to have some football and people in green and gold and seeing the lads get cut, whatever, which isn't great, but at least you see the, the roster start to solidify. Um, let's get into the regular season and let's have a look at sort of from a UK, Irish, European uh, fan base because you know what I saw East Coasters saying oh spare thought for people in the East Coast <laughs> spare thought for us oh, yeah, we didn't ask you to support the team yeah 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 so um, week one Minnesota Vikings 325 which is 925 over here um, and there's a good few I see a good few 12pms and 325 I also see some asterisks which means that they can be moved which is a pain in the face uh, but there we go. And I can see Fox, NBC. I see Prime Video, ESPN and ABC and all that kind of good stuff as well. So it looks like that they are sort of spreading the stuff around. But anyway, Minnesota Vikings, respectable time. That's at the Minnesota Vikings. So we open the season in that really annoying stadium, which is also beautiful, but mostly annoying. And it's full of Vikings fans, which is also annoying. Uh, Chicago Bears, second game, 7.20, late one. That's at home. Then we go away to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, which... You know, I won't say that. Uh, so that's 3.25 early. So let's look at the home games. We've got the Chicago Bears week two. We've got at the books. Then we've got the New England Patriots, which is a gold package game. So you're not allowed to stand up. And um, so that's Sunday, October 2nd. So the next week is when the Packers are in London uh, versus the New York Giants. So do we want to go see the Bears or the Patriots uh, in September or early October? The answer is doesn't really make sense so when we go too early there's kids going to school there's people getting back into the swing of work and stuff like that and it doesn't make sense like we went to see the Seahawks on season opener and it's a great atmosphere and um, but it's weird too because the team hasn't gelled and solidified now when we went to see that game they trounced the Seahawks so maybe that applies to them so the Chicago Bears game uh, on September 18th is just a bit too early England Patriots New England Patriots um, is October 2nd but the game against the Giants is the next week so to get people out there to get time off work and then to come back and then go to the Giants game, it's a lot of money to handle for people, a lot of time off. So that doesn't really make sense either. Also, when you look at the New England Patriots team, it's not a Tom Brady-led team. Is there an appeal there? And then the next home game is the week after, which is October 16th against the New York Jets. And I could probably leave that there. It's on 12 p.m. for that exact reason. Um, so I could talk about the arrangements for the London game, but the Jets is the next home game. And that doesn't make sense because it's the opposite side of the London game. Now, already, 
somehow the London game is being blamed on us not having a bye week. Apparently the Packers elected not to have the bye week that early, which makes sense because they'll be having their bye week in, in week six and then they've still got another 10 or 11 um, weeks to go and it's it's too much. So for me, good choice. Now the next three games are away, so they're not an option to go see. Not unless you want to do an away game, but everyone wants to go to Lambo. That's just the way it is. Uh, so at the Washington Commanders at 12 p.m. over there, which is six o'clock here. Buffalo Bills is a late one, Sunday night football. Um, and then November 6th is at the Detroit Lions, and that's at six o'clock over here as well. So this is our opportunity when you look at it, right? So there's games in week 10 and 11 at home, back-to-back games. So it's November 13th against the Dallas Cowboys and Thursday, November 17th against the Tennessee Titans, which is a really quick turnaround. Uh, you know the Cowboys game is on if we're over there at 3.25 nice time and then the Tennessee Titans is on at 7.15 for Thursday night football so it's a nice sort of late game um, November 17 going to be freezing um, but go games so look that looks like what we're going to do this year and I'll, I'll have a chat with Ben about this so you know you can ask me for the arrangements I don't have but basically we go over we get a Packers game we get a Badgers game uh, we enjoy ham it up uh, spend our life savings in the pro shop and then come home this is an opportunity for us to see two Packers games on the one trip. We can't see the Badgers because they're not playing at home uh, in Camp Randall Stadium. So, look, one of them is a goal package game, Tennessee Titans and the Cowboys. Two massive teams, uh, two massive rivalries. They're going to be tough pending injuries, yada. Uh, but that is the perfect opportunity. So if you want the inside scoop, that's what it is. The group trip will probably be week 10 and week 11. Now, for people who say, oh, well, I can't go uh, November 13th or whatever, there's probably a way that you can contact Touchdown Trips and join us for that Thursday Tennessee Titans game. So usually how it'll work is the game's on Sunday. We'll fly over on Friday and then we'll stay probably till the following Friday or Saturday. So it's going to be a long one. A lot of time in Green Bay and two Packers games and plenty of cheese curds. And I honestly cannot wait. Uh, now I would say, and this isn't a gimmick, but we were sold out last year and there's massive appetite again because it was people last year who didn't go because of COVID and they've kind of, you know, acclimatize themselves or whatever to it so they're gonna go this will probably sell out again particularly because it's two Packers games um, now again the price will be bigger because of that the stay will be longer so you'll have that hotel cost and all that kind of stuff so it might be a pricey one I've no idea um, but that seems to be it and you know maybe we'll have a thing where you can go to one and not the other anyway moving on there's the exciting news about that I'll have an official announcement with prices and all that kind of stuff when I talk to Ben and he puts it all together so then Week 12 and 13, uh, the two games before the bye, it's 7.20 uh, Sunday night football against the Philadelphia Eagles at the Philadelphia Eagles and then December 4th against the Chicago Bears in Soldier Field and that one's at 6pm over here. Then there's the bye week which pushes us right to our next home game which is the Los Angeles Rams at 7.15 uh, Monday night football of a Monday. So December. So if you look at our home games then, it's December 19th, January 1st and then January 7th or 8th to be determined. So way too close to Christmas. So you'll have people going over, you know, they're finishing on work or whatever. Um, money's probably tight around Christmas too. You know, they want to spend time with family. We see the game on Monday. We come back probably Tuesday into the Wednesday. So you're talking about the 21st, 22nd of December. And for a lot of people, it just, especially with kids and stuff, it just doesn't make sense. And especially the money constraints around Christmas time as well. We all know it's a bit tight. So it kind of lends itself that the only real games open for us are the Dallas Cowboys and the Tennessee Titans, which to me are incredible games. Great timing, November 13th and 17th. 
enough time to save, paid off and all that kind of stuff. So I think that works out really well in that game against the Los Angeles Rams as well. Close to Christmas, brilliant. And then December 25th, I already know people who are going to uh, that game against the Miami Dolphins. And that starts at 12 p.m. over there, which is six here. And then January 1st, I mean, what a treat. We get Packers football on Christmas Day. We get Packers football on New Year's Day. So Sunday, January 1st, it's 3.25, which is 9.25 over here. So you'll have your fill of the sort of leftover turkey and ham from Christmas. Um, and you can tuck into that while all the family are kind of fed up and sick of looking at you. Um, so then week 18 is the Detroit Lions, and that's either January 7th or 8th, and the time on that is to be announced, and it's to be announced probably, you know, they all showed them at either 6 or 9 or whatever. It's the last game of the season, who cares? So by that time, we should have locked up the NFC. Should have. So anyway, uh, by the time that we do all this, me and Pete had already recorded the thing. Uh, so with the magic of editing, I'll just add that in after this. But before I do, London Arrangements, so I had a good call with the Hippodrome. So the Hippodrome is a casino. It's um, It's got a big, massive uh, screen. Um, now, they uh, he says that the theatre, they rent out to the Magic Mike crowd. So if you want to go see some willies, uh, you can. But if you want to go see um, the Packers, well, then you can come along. Now, the thing is, is the, the room has a capacity of about 200 people. Maybe we can squeeze some more into about 200 people. Um, so what we're going to do is is that, and again, this is not finalized, but it's nearly there, is that we will we have to offer tickets uh, solely because we can't oversell and we can't have loads of people arrive and then be disappointed because that inevitably will happen anyway, regardless, right? So we're going to organize it. We're going to put 200 tickets on sale because that's all the capacity holds. Um, and just to get numbers, and again, for any of the uh, bum holds out there, we're going to go, you're trying to make money, you're a fraud, you're an absolute fraud, you are making money off the fans, you are. Uh, look, it's a fiver and you get a free point and it doesn't come to us at all, it goes straight to the venue. They have some ticketing service that they set up and the sole reason, the only reason that tickets are being sold at all is because it has a capacity and if it goes above it, they have to start turning people away. So what they'll do is, is you will pay the cash to a link that will be provided to us by the Hippodrome, it's a fiver and you're basically paying for your first point. So it's a free point on entry um, and you get in and there's a 42 foot screen. So we go in there and it'll be exclusively ours, by the way, which is fantastic. There'll be no one else in there apart from who buys tickets. Um, and so usually the place opens up at about five, but we're, we've organized to open it up at about 12 exclusively again for us, for the UK Packers to go in and be around like-minded fans. There's a lot of people coming over from America. Now, again, I envision this to sell upwards of about a 1,000. So 200 is like one-fifth of the amount of people that we can fit in. And that's for people who can't get tickets to Tottenham. So what I would say is, is that when I do get all the info and I do get the link to book those tickets, um, I would jump on it uh, because it will sell out and there's, it's a capacity issue. It's fire safety. There's nothing we can do if they oversell. Um, so what I might do is, is I just don't want anybody to feel left out. So if that oversells, I might try organize a second event somewhere. Uh, again, central London that people can go to and all hang out and stuff like that who can't make it to the game. But I think that's really exciting. It's a 42 foot screen and they, they'll also serve uh, beer and food in the in the hall um, throughout the the showing so we're going to be it's a nice intimate venue 200 people in there all swilling around all having a great time all having some beers and shots um and again they have a full pa system so i'll be able to get on the mic um, and do some raffles and giveaways and give away t-shirts and stuff like that so that would be absolutely uh, again i cannot wait uh, to do that as well really really looking forward to it it'll be a nice treat as well because 
you know, that's week four. And then you've got to wait six weeks, so about two months then to go off to the States. Um, so I think it's just, it really works out like perfect timing. But again, it's not a sales ploy. Uh, I think the tickets for the Hippodrome will sell out and the tickets for the trip abroad will sell out. We've maxed out at, I think, 45 to 50 people on the trip last year. And again, there's strong interest this year. But uh, that's the schedule and that's the exciting things about the, the London tickets. And people have asked as well, when do these London tickets go on sale? Um, now, this is for the actual game itself. It's in June. And like we said on a previous podcast, you know, there'll only be about 30,000 general admission tickets um, and they're going to be snapped up straight away and they're going to try scalp you as well. Uh, so do watch out for that. So it's going to be a scramble. Uh, we tried to contact to get block booking, but it was a no-go. Uh, so we can't do that either. So it's just, it's literally, you know, a free-for-all. But look, there's plenty of Packers fans around that really wanted tickets. Um, so I guess you can understand if they made that uh, thing for us, they probably have to do it for for all of them um, and then you get into that whole tricky uh, tricky business but anyway so they go on sale in June but I'm hoping to get air tickets for the hip Hippodrome up on sale as early as I can to give you a good chance to get in there and get them and we can really gauge figures and numbers and if we do oversell which I fully expect that I can go organising that second venue for people so I'm very, very, very excited to meet you all uh, in London because I'll be over there. Um, I'll be very excited to lead the trip over uh, to the Cowboys and the Titans, hopefully, as long as the, the price isn't prohibitive and all that kind of stuff, but definitely we'll be going over. And so some of you lucky devils out there might actually get a double dose or a triple dose of the Packers in 2022. What a massive comeback that would be. But anyway, I'm going to get on to the sort of me and Pete, you know, drilling down into the draft and stuff like that and, and rehashing it. And it's an extra long episode, uh, so hopefully you enjoy it. And over to us, I guess. Green 18! Green 18! And with the magic of editing, um, this is the schedule release podcast, but I have the one, the only, at D-I-T underscore underscores hedgehogs. Uh, you know, Peter, we know by now, we know what your Twitter handle is. We have Peter on, but Peter, we're not going to talk about the schedule because I'm kind of coming at you from, I don't know, the future. Um, so we know what the schedule is. Right. Uh, but we're going to talk about uh, the draft because we haven't had a chance yet to catch up on the draft because a lot's been happening with the date being announced for London yeah. and all that good stuff. But look, it's just flabbergasted. There's two things, Peter. And by the way, Peter, do you want to say hi to the people? Because I think <laughs> I do this all the time. I introduce it and I just steamroll the whole podcast for seven minutes. But hello, Peter. Hello, the people. Hello, the people. <laughs> no, we... Hi. Hi everybody, and it's yeah, it's good to be here as 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 usual, Steve. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, well, look, um, it's you know you're a fixture on the podcast, and one of the things that you excel at, obviously, and this is uh, yeah, it's very schmoozy, all right. I've got Peter's buttocks in my hands, and I'm kissing both cheeks uh, heftily. Um, if only, Pete. So. Uh, <laughs> You know, that's one of those things. Do you leave it in? Daryl would say leave it in. Do you leave it in? I mean, there's more innuendo there if you want it. Um, so look, the draft guide is great. And, um, you know, understatement. <laughs> See, I'm trying to say it down now. It's, it's, it gets awkward now. Um, so look, the draft guide is brilliant. And it was, it's even better when uh, the Packers make their picks. And the first thing I do without fail is that I jump on the draft guide and I leaf through it uh, digitally. And I go to the page of, you know, who we picked up. And inevitably, it'll be, you know, highlighted in green. Um, you'll have advised that, like, this guy is a perfect Packer player, whether that happens or not it's up to the gods but you know he should be um and then you know where players should go you know he should go in x round he should go in y round and it all comes true you really are um you know septic peg or mystic meg whatever moniker you want um mystic piece septic piece uh what could, we're gonna have to work on that uh, and get a get a good graphic together um pete draft night um obviously you do the draft guide and this is i understand this is a ridiculous question but is there a part of you that when you get to draft night it's like organizing the wedding, you know, like you organize it and you're knackered. And I don't know what it's like when you actually get there. Do you just go, 
like I just don't care anymore. Like screws, you know. We're just gonna have a good time, not worry about anything. So when it gets to draft night, Pete, do you enjoy watching it? Do you get too stressed out about who people are gonna pick? Can you stay up for it, or from you know doing the draft card, are you so damn exhausted, you just fall into sort of a stupor for a couple of days? Um, you know, how was that night for you? No, it's um, it's actually pretty pretty relaxed by mm. by by that point. You know, it's um, I do enjoy it, I enjoy the night, and and I enjoy the. I guess the thought processes or trying to understand, get yourself in, inside a GM's head and the thought processes of why they've taken this guy or not that guy. Um, so yeah, no, I really, I really enjoy it. And it, it's like you say, it's like, um, you know, preparing for something big it, it, and then it happens and then it's kind of like, what now? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is your Super Bowl, Pete. You know, like, yeah. uh, it's like when Aaron Rodgers won the Super Bowl, it was like, is this it? But look, like, is it, I've never, I never bet, right? Hands up, I don't bet. I'm not, you know, there's moral reasons and all that kind of lark. Simply, every time I bet someone dies, right? So uh, we had a Cheltenham thing. I forget what they call, what do they call it? A Cheltenham, whatever it is. It's a sort of a sweepstakes, sweepstakes, where you kind of pull out the the horse from a yeah. hat or you pick a funny name and you go with it, which is the only way I know horse racing works. Um, and they put it on the TVs and everyone stands around and acts like they know what they're talking about. And then there's one guy in the office who goes around talking about soft ground, right? So I picked out a guy, uh, what was he called? Who shot the sheriff or something, funnily enough. And I think he fell over and they literally shot him after the race. Um, so I don't I don't bet anymore but wages then because it just, it sends me into a, into a tizzy you know you're looking at it. and I know that adds excitement so that's the reason why people bet is they put a little wager on and they you know see what happens and it gets you interested in the game Pete like you've put to ink and we've talked about this on your draft guide and you've said this guy's a good guy this guy should go in this round but you've done this for literally hundreds of players um, does it do your head in a bit when you see a player drop because other people are like oh my god he dropped how interesting you're thinking Chess, <laughs> you know my draft guy. I had him in the second round, and now he's the fifth round. What, what, yeah, what's going on? It, uh, yeah, and it and it always makes me go back and 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 yeah. You know, when a when a player goes a lot higher than I had him, or a lot lower than I had him, is I always go back and try and think. Well, what what did I miss? Yeah, were there were there signs of <laughs> something there? And and sometimes you just have to hold your hands up and say, I don't know. Yeah. And other and other times, I guess over the years, you learn a little bit here and a little bit there, and it kind of hopefully makes you slightly better the the next year. Um, but I, I guess the difficulty is that when I think all of the people that do kind of draft guides is you, you you're pretty much doing a guide for a generic team. Yeah. You know, so you're putting your one to three hundred or however many players you're looking at in order on the basis of that you're a generic team that's just going to pick in that order. Whereas what we all have to understand is there's 32 different teams that think differently. They've got different needs. They run different systems. They like this position over that position. So it's never going to fall in, in that order. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you just, for whatever reason, you've got teams that prefer, um, you know, a player's upside and potential rather than his actual production, which is what we saw right at the top of the draft, you know, with Trayvon Walker going number one over. Aiden Hutchinson, which is still a pick I I just don't understand. Are you shaking your head at that piece? Yes. I mean, is that just complete nonsense and overthink? To, to, to me, it is. Um, you know, and and it always and this happens, you know, too too often for my liking, I guess, is that a player in about March suddenly becomes, you know, a top ten player or in this case, an, an overall number one pick. When for the previous four years, nobody was talking about him in those terms. Yeah. And it's happened in March when they're not even playing any games. Yeah. And it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's strange. It's strange to me. And I, and I think that, 
I understand the as you get further down the draft, you look at more and more upside and potential, and I, and I and I and I get all that. But I think at the overall number one pick, if you've got a guy that has produced, has a great attitude, has all the character things that you're looking for, has produced on the field in the season that's that's just gone by, for me it's a no-brainer. Yeah, and I think that's why, just my opinion, why some of those teams at the top who almost overthink it end up being picking in the top five almost every year. Yeah. But I mean, that's just, that's just my view. Proof of the pudding, though. It, it is, you know, human psychology is a weird thing. You know, like when you want to go for a car and you want to, oh, you saw that red one and you really like it. And now oh, that's the one. And you, you tell so many people that you, I wanted the red one and I've always wanted the red one and it's great. Then you go to the dealership and they go, the red one sold. And you're like, well, the black one, I always wanted the black one. Yeah. You know, and then you sort of, you convince yourself otherwise. And it's just. And, and, and I think, I think that for, for me, I think it's, I, I guess I'm risk averse, and I think mm. I think you play the percentages. Which player is like most likely to be a success, whatever you regard success as? It's probably the guy that been that's been productive throughout his college career and has got all those great character things as well. Yeah. Rather than the guy that you think, yeah, he may be able to do it, but there's nothing on film that's that jumps out at you. It's mad. It, that that sort of mentality is crazy. And I, I suppose an awful lot of GMs have that mentality, don't they? For a number of different reasons. I mean, you'll have a GM who's on the hot seat. So he's thinking, God, I really need to pull it out here. I can risk it because if it doesn't hit, I'm gone anyway. So, you know. And, and I think, yeah. And, and, and I think once you get beyond, say, the first 10 to 15 picks, I understand it more. Yeah. Because when, you, when you're picking towards the end of the round, that means you're one of the better teams anyway. And you're typically looking for maybe just one or two guys that are going to take you over the top. The guy that takes you from being, you know, a playoff team to a Super Bowl team. And so picking a solid guy is great there, but you're probably looking for who's the one guy that may just give me something that I don't already have. Yeah. He hasn't yet quite done it, but he's, you know, he runs four, three speed and he's got this and he's got this athletic. He may just be the guy that gives us the extra edge that I get. I just don't get it right near the top of the draft. Yeah, and I mean, all of these storylines and all of these narratives do feed into this Packers draft this year because, you know, you talked about and we, we talked about where a guy drops down the draft. The Packers picked up a guy with that. You know, you were saying in your draft guide he should have gone an X round that he went and see. Um, and then, of course, and I guess this is probably a good segue to get into it, um, is that the very first pick that the Packers had, and again, a man as modest as yourself won't suggest it, but the very first player in this uh, grouping that was marked with the green colour, which, you know, is the, is the key to the, you know, he's a potential Packer player. He's someone that fits the mould. It's someone that they could key on. on. Speaking of key, and one, uh, is Key Walker uh, from Georgia. Now, Peter, you know, this is a guy you had going potentially in the second round. Yeah. Um, in your draft guide, you said, you know, you were sort of complimentary of his skills. You, you know, you, you sort of highlight that he's a great player. He's fourth on your linebacker list. Um, you said as well, though, that he's lots of potential. However, you did say he's a likely second round draft put, uh, choice. How does this one hit you in the fields? Yeah, so so at the top, so so on the basis of the type of player that he is and the athletic ability that that it, that he's got, he 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 absolutely fits. You know what you would think the Packers would be looking for in an in an inside linebacker, and 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 will fit very very nicely next to Devondre Campbell. Yeah. So as a football player, I think he's. You know, very nice football player with the potential to be really good. Um, my struggle with the pick at the time was 
I wouldn't necessarily have gone down the inside linebacker route in round one. But uh, and um, there were other inside linebackers on the board as well. But I think that's just a case of what you prefer. You know, Devin Lloyd was still on the board at that point. But but I understand teams might like Walker over Devin Lloyd. So I don't so much have that as an issue. I I just it was an odd one to me in that. You know, the Packers have been waiting all this time, not picking, an, you know, an inside or middle linebacker in the draft since A.J. Hawk went in the first round all those years ago, 2005, I think it was. We suddenly find ourselves an all-pro inside linebacker in Devondre Campbell, and that happens to be the year we pick one. Yeah. So, so, so it was kind of weird at the time to me. Now, the to turn that around the other way, I think that, we talked before that there would probably be five or six wide receivers that would go in the first round. Mm. Six went before the Packers picked. And I think that in itself probably made the Packers mind up to go in a different direction. So, so had only four of those wide receivers gone, for example, and a couple of them been sitting there at the point the Packers picked, the pick may have been different. Yeah. But I think, I think it's one of these cases and why mock drafts can quickly fall apart because I think this is one of those cases where the Packers' decision to do this rather than that was very much influenced by what happened before. Which, Peter, is exactly what you want your GM to do, right? Because, yes. I mean, look at, look, at the, look at the mire we'd be in if... And I don't, I don't feel any GM because it's a bit of a, a bum narrative to think that, you know, you get you do all of your life, like you spend all of your life in the organization and you work your way up, you're trusted by the organization, you become GM and then all of a sudden you care what Lickety Split 74 says on Twitter and you've caved yeah. to that. <laughs> you know, it's your job, you know, you're not yeah. going to be sort of um, uh, swayed by that. But isn't that exactly what you want your GM to do? You like to see that uh, turnabout because... He's not forcing it and he's not going, well, look, I have to select a wide receiver straight yeah. away. The value isn't there, so he pivots on another point. And and to your point as well, and this is important that I think people know, is that, you know, when we say and when you say, you know, I was shocked by the pick, um, it was more of a second round pick. It doesn't mean you're not saying he's good enough to go when he did. It was just when if and not that he's a damn good football player, but the strategy there was strange and the the pick was strange for all of the reasons that you mentioned so by all means this isn't a criticism of the player or the pick it's the strategy and the way it all went down that you can kind of understand but also as you said there's other players on the board that you sort of think that you had higher on your draft board and it's intriguing at that point yeah and and, and i and i guess that when when you've been as close to it as i have for the last you know 18 months we talk about doing the draft guide up to you know for this for this year yeah it's it was almost the one scenario that I hadn't envisaged was that six wide receivers would be off the board before the Packers picked. Um, and, and I thought their choice would be, is the wide receiver we want rather than all of them having gone at that, at that point, is the wide receiver we want still there? Yeah. And if not, which other position? And, and, and I thought the other positions would be defensive line or offensive line. You know, and to be fair, they went down those routes just a little, just a little bit, just a little bit later. So I think it was more of a, um, more of a surprise to me than anything. It, it wasn't. This is absolutely not a criticism of the pick because I think that this guy has Pro Bowl potential. That you know, I don't, I don't have any, any, 
you know, no qualms about that what, whatsoever. It just surprised me as it happened. Yeah, that all. but that's the thing. And, and this is what's kind of happened with it to a Packers draft under Goody, hasn't it? Where he's kind of traded up, traded down. He's went in a direction we felt that last year, the year before, some of the drafts kind of got away from him a little bit. And, you know, some of was, a li- you know, when, but like what he says, when he wants the player, he wants that player. And by all means, yeah. it doesn't look like other people have the value. So Pete, as you said, right, and like ridiculously enough, you just said to me in pre-prod that you've spent the last two weeks working on next year's draft guide, which is, which is just um, grounds for divorce, first off. Um, and then second off is that, you know, look, we're, we're lucky to have you. But look, when, we, when you look at this guy, Key Walker, who do we have, Pete? Well, I, 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 think, I think what we have is not a dissimilar player to Devondre Campbell. Which is a great um, thing. Yeah. We've got a, if you like, we've got a slightly bigger Slightly more athletic, slightly faster, Devondre Campbell. Yeah. Um, you know, the difference right now between the two of them is that Devondre Campbell has, you know, half a dozen years of experience in the league and is the current all pro. Quay Walker is coming out of college, having played in a really good defense at Georgia, um, played at a really, you know, at the SEC level, as, as high a college football level as, as, as you can get, played with some. Absolutely superb players. We can see that from the number of Georgia players that went in the first round of, of of this draft. That can be a plus or a minus. We don't know, you know. Um, but we've certainly got a guy that there doesn't appear to be very many downsides to him, if you like. You know, you can look at all of the things that you want that you want to look at. Um, we've talked about the athleticism. There's some versatility there as well. Because I, I because I think with his athletic ability and speed, he's a guy you could line up on on the outside in, in you know in pass rush situations, or you can blitz him from the inside. He's a good tackler, good in pass coverage. So you've got all of those excellent pluses around him. Only has one full year as a starter, so there's a que- you know there's a question mark. Doesn't have the experience of some of the other players. Yeah, but. You know, there isn't a single player coming out into this draft, whether it's the overall number one pick or the very last pick in this draft, that doesn't have some questions. I think the questions with with Walker are probably just mostly around the, uh, his one year of starting experience, because mm. the because the rest of it looks pretty good. And I and I and I I think that all things being equal, we never know how this stuff's gonna gonna turn out. But he, yeah. but he looks like a guy who definitely could be a Pro Bowl level linebacker in a, in a few years' time. Which is it? Like uh, we've all seen, you know, Peyton Manning right off into the sunset with a Super Bowl, getting dragged there. Uh, his horse, in fact, was the defense because yep. he needed it. So you know, you offer an MVP quarterback uh, an unbelievable defense like that, a scary defense. Look, it's it's going to be a winner. Now, look, and and actually, the second pick in Devontae Wyatt again. May I just add that you had him in uh, green, the number two defensive lineman on your yep. board here, uh, Pete. Uh, you know, an exciting pick. Uh, something, some. You know, I guess some people would have been happy that we took him first. Uh, from some of the narrative that I see out there, what's yeah. your take on it? Yeah, and, and 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 exactly that. So I think off the top of my head, he was the number twenty-three player on on my list, and and had the Packers taken him at twenty-two, that for me would have been the kind of ideal scenario yeah and, and and to a degree had the Packers picked those two guys the other way round, I would have I would have probably more said yeah that's probably more like what I, what I would have expected yeah so, so so just on the basis that they was they was they were swapped swapped around it surprised me more but why I love um 
and I think he's ideal for the Packers to be able to line up alongside Kenny Clark. We've been looking for that guy for years. Yeah. You know, and in previous drafts, I think last year we thought the Packers might take Christian Barmore. Um, so we've been looking for that defensive lineman to line up alongside Kenny Clark and take some of that pressure off Kenny Clark as well. I, I think this is this is this is just excellent. And, and Wyatt will play that three four defensive end brilliantly. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's there's um, there's so much to like about him as a player, and he makes plays as well. Um, good against good against the run. Will will rush the passer, but you're not necessarily looking for that in him anyway. In the as a three four defensive end. Um, Four seven seven in the forty, just just a just a really really nice nice player and a and a really good pick. Absolutely love this pick, and he's experienced, right? That's where he differs yeah. from Walker in that degree. Is it significant that they went for two Georgia players? Does that matter? Does chemistry come into this type of thing? Do they play well together? Well, I think it's I think it's obviously the G on the helmet that's the, that's the that's the, that's <laughs> Easy the key that's the, that's the key here. A- A- Athens, Georgia is cre- is clearly now Green Bay South, isn't oh, yeah. it? Um, I, I think it's so. I think it probably tells us two things. It tells us that clearly that Georgia has a great program and has a great defense, and it absolutely does. And they've got another guy, Jalen Carter, will go in probably the top five next year. So that's how that's how good, and a couple of other guys that will go in the first round off that defense next year. So that's how good that is. But I think it also tells us that the Packers clearly are scouting players at those big schools. Yeah. And they're taking players, you know, early in the draft that have got big game experience and have been productive and played well in big games when it really counts. Yeah. Which sounds like a good strategy to me. No, absolutely. (laughs) Can I argue with that? No, absolutely. And like I say, absolutely love this pick. Yeah. And what I like about it is, is that, look, it's complimentary. So you've bolstered the defense on the line and also... Uh, linebacker which is just devastating and once you do that and because look we've seen sort of strangely certain players in Packers sort of I don't know they're in lore now and they've since gone of course and you know have stellar seasons and then leave like you know Kyler Fackrell and you look you know you see these players like what and they just have a good season because it's complimentary and all of a sudden someone's dropping in and you know and so that that gives great opportunities to the, the star defenders that we have there and in a sort of twi- so we heard that the Packers, you know, potentially tried to trade up. Uh, it looked like that they had their heart set on your guy, uh, Williams. Um, but again, another lad that you had highlighted in the draft guide, and it was a selection at number thirty-four, which is two off the first round pick, Pete, which means that it doesn't matter. Um, but yep. Christian Watson, wide receiver, uh, North Dakota State. You know, I've watched the highlights the same as everybody else, but you would have watched this guy more closely. Um, is he the real deal? Can he slot in there and be sort of a day one starter to make an impact? Or is this one of those sort of raw picks that kind of will take its time to develop? My gut feeling is it's probably somewhere in between those two, mm. those two things. So again, love the player, love the pick. It's one of those situations where if somebody had said to me, the Packers had picked Christian Watson at 22, I would have thought... Probably a little bit high, but I absolutely get it. If they'd picked him at 53, you know, if he'd still been there and the Packers were still picking there, and I said, yeah, I understand that as well. Yeah. So he's one of those guys where you could understand, a, you know, a range of where he would go. And it just depended on how teams saw him and judged the fact that he played at North Dakota State in the in the FCS and not at the highest level of 
college football did that you know how much of a factor was that but the guy runs four three six in the 40 he's six foot four he's a big guy um yeah the fluid hips i mean if you watch him run and particularly when you watch him run with the football in his hands absolutely incredible athlete absolutely yeah. incredible athlete um has had some problems with drops but I'm not overly, yeah, because sure, your receivers have to catch, but I'm not overly concerned about that. We saw this with Devontae Adams when he came out, hmm. and we know what he became. Um, so, yeah, absolutely love this pick. And I think that, um, you know, for the Packers, they gave up those two second-round picks to move up to 34. It sounds like a lot, and I think we all would have loved to have had four picks in the first two rounds. But I think once the first round had gone the way it went, and the first six receivers were off the board before the Packers picked at 22. I think that then drove what happened subsequently with picks 22, with picks 28, and with this move. Um, they couldn't take the risk that, you know, a player like Watson, you know, they couldn't take the chance that a player like Watson would drop to them at 53 because he almost certainly wouldn't. Mm. He might have got to 40-ish. We don't, we don't know. He might not. might not have got beyond 34 or 35. We don't, we don't know. But the chances of him being there at 53, I think, were very slim, considering all those other receivers had gone. So I think, as you said just a few moments ago, once you decide that's the player that you want, yeah. go, go and get him. And, yeah. they, and, they, and they did that. Loved the move, loved the move to get him, Abs absolutely. And I think that this is a guy that, as the season progresses, we're going to see more and more of him. Um, you know, and it might be that he ends up with 35, 40 catches in his rookie season. You know, I, I'm not expecting him to come in and catch 80 balls. Hmm. He might do. Yes. Absolutely might do. Um, but that's not what I'm expecting. But I'm expecting 35 to 40, that kind of number, at probably 15 or 16 yards a catch is that type of receiver. And the other thing I like about, getting this receiver and the, and the receivers that they got later is that we know that Rogers is probably playing for another two years, maybe, um, you know, maybe longer, but, but probably two years is probably the, the optimum that we're thinking about now. It yeah. means that these receivers will be there when the next guy takes over from Rogers. And I think that's important because you don't want to be in a position where you're, where you're changing quarterback and you're changing all the receivers at the same time. Yeah, that's rebuild written all over, right? Yeah. So so we don't want to rebuild. We just want to transition at that point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, re, re, again, absolutely love this pick. And it's it's funny that you mentioned as well the sort of, you know, when people look at that low-level school stuff and they go, I don't know if you can do it at that level. It always reminds me, and my limited knowledge, of course, of Cooper Cup. And just that, that was the one thing that they kept saying about him. Yep. was just like, look, comes from a small school, Eastern Washington University. Who the hell are they? Uh, even though he performed everywhere he went, but it just wasn't good enough for people. And the rest is history, I guess, there. So Yeah, you have to, you have to be careful of that. And you have to be careful about the positions as well. I mean, I mean... You know, Jerry Rice went to Mississippi Valley State for goodness, yeah. for goodness sake. You know, so so we ought to understand that the, the number one receiver or one of the greatest receivers that's ever played this game played at a, a low level in inverted commas of college football. I think the other thing to remember is that people miss this a little bit with North Dakota State because they don't look beyond perhaps the powerhouses 
is that, you know, that's the school that Trey Lance went to. That's the school that Carson Wentz went to. Now, whatever you think of those as players, they were both top three picks oh, in yeah. the NFL draft. Hmm. So this is a school that produces pro-level players at a high level. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And there's an awful lot of snobbery in the game as well, isn't there? That if you don't sort of don the usual lads you see day in, day out on sort of that primetime college you know, spotlight that they're not good enough. But yeah, excited about him. And at least, look, if he's got a bit of a drop problem to begin with, at least Packer fans are very, very forgiving when it comes to players who drop the ball and they're not in any way going to make his life a living <laughs> hell. Uh, so, you know, it wouldn't be a Packers draft without leaning into some sort of O-lineman. And we got Sean... Ryan. Ryan, um, there on uh, round three, number 92 overall. Is this your typical Swiss Army knife type of guy? Uh, Peter, are we happy we have this guy on the roster? Yeah, so so, so I think that when, when you look at him, he has the uh, six, six five, 320-ish pounds. He has that um, left tackle type size, and he played left tackle at, at UCLA. Um, there are some things that... Um, Arm length, not quite what you'd want, preferably in a pro, in a pro left tackle. Um, just foot speed, not quite as quick as you'd probably like in a, in a pro left tackle, which is why most of us or most of the experts, not including myself in that in that no, list, please do, please no, no. do, please do. I, I, I think most I think most people that talked about Ryan were projecting him inside to guard, and I think that's fair. Mm. I think I think he's a guy that. A bit like John Runyon did with the Packers, you know, two or three years ago when they drafted him, albeit later in the draft, moved him from tackle to guard. That absolutely looks like the situation with with Ryan here, and it would not surprise me to see him come in and challenge for a starting spot on day one. Mm. Um, you know, and and you think of, in particular, the right guard spot where you know, last year's rookie Royce Newman did a did a good job for the whole for the whole of the season. Well, I think now he's under pressure for that for that starting job from from Sean Ryan. So, yeah, again, really like the pick. I don't think he was one that I necessarily highlighted, but he was a guy that that I thought was rising coming coming in coming into the draft. And yeah, I think he's a guy that that will probably settle at guard in the pros, but could do you a job at tackle if you needed a guy out there for a couple of games here and there. And this is why when I look in this draft, Pete, you know, you look at Walker and, you know, we understand if you flip the picks, they're great. But either way, you still end up with these yeah. two guys. You, you know, yeah. you get Wyatt. They seem like really solid picks on the face of it. And I know it's, you know, all this narrative you can't draft a, or you can't grade a, a draft or whatever too early. But then Christian Watson, they seem to do the job, go after Sean Ryan, seems like absolutely solid guy. So, I mean, you know, all right, giving up the second round pick. But as we said, you know, if you want the player, go after the player. Not bad so far. I, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, you know, my, I could summarize this whole draft in saying that it slightly surprised at the front, but at the, with the with the first pick, mm. but absolutely understand it now. Like a really good player there. But in, in summary, and maybe I shouldn't summarize, we're still going through it, but I'm going to now start it. <laughs> Go right? on. In summary, I think this is one on paper, one of the best overall drafts that I've seen the Packers have in many, many years. Now, it, we don't know. Like you so say, we don't know it a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, how, how it's going to pan out. Um, but on paper, definitely one of, the, one of the most exciting drafts the Packers have had. Yeah, which we're allowed to say because, I mean, look at the, the, you know, the detail you have in your draft guide. 
you've looked at these players from a readiness standpoint, from a history standpoint, you know, you've gone through all their games. So yeah, of course you can look at this and, and you're like, again, me, if I came out and said, oh, A plus, you'd be like on based off what? <laughs> Pete's draft guide, maybe. But, uh, you know, your own knowledge, absolutely not. But look, round four sees us take another wide receiver, Romeo Dubs. Um, yeah. So, Pete, you know, you talk in your draft guide again, not, not someone that you highlighted because, again, look, we're in the fourth round now, the wide receivers, and we sort of talked about this in our pre-draft coverage of, you know, you have that sort of upper echelon, guys, and then it kind of drops off. Um, Romeo Dubs, you do talk about him sort of, you know, being an experienced guy, uh, being a reliable punt returner as well. Um, are we happy with this pick? Is he developmental, um, you know, or could he actually shock people when he gets to the Packers for, you know, maybe playing in the slot or something for us? Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. I think that I think that he has the opportunity to be better, if that doesn't sound strange, mm. um, than the round that he was picked in. Yeah, you know, because you, you get a guy in the fourth round, and that gives you a certain perception of a of a guy. I I, I think that he sneakily has a shot at even earning a starting job on day one. That's crazy. Um, and you talked about some of the key things there very experienced you know he caught 225 passes in his in his in his college career at at nevada catching passes from from carson strong um he is just a solid all-round pass receiver with you know 447 speed so he's not quite the speed that watson is but he's no slouch by by any stretch of the imagination and he and he, and he knows how to get open yeah and i think this is a guy that that Probably, you know, if you if you compared him with Watson, and they're, obviously they're two different players and and, and two different um, shapes and body sizes and everything else, you would think of Watson as having this huge up, great athlete with this huge upside, and you think of Dubs. I think of Dubs as probably a guy that's probably more ready to start, you know, be your number two receiver if you like, alongside whoever the number one is. Let's say it's Alan Lazard. It's probably more ready to start. Than than Watson is on day on day one. Yeah. So I think this guy this guy could be sneaky good. Sneaky good, like it. Uh, you know, and special teams and stuff like that. I mean, if you're firing this guy's in, because you look at Watson yep. and they they spoke about, oh, could they put him in there? But then when you pick up guys like this in the draft, you know, you're kind of like, all right, well, you know, this this is a real potential here. And we all know how Cobb got on, and you know, thank you, John Kuhn. Uh, but look, the the other one that I wanted to discuss here is in round four. Um, you know, Zach Tom goes yeah. number 140 overall, and Pete, to show the accuracy of your draft guide, and I got a good giggle out of this on your top 300 players. You had about 138, so ah, you'd only you'd only two away, <laughs> and you'd even highlighted him in your draft guide to say, you know, you wouldn't be surprised if the Packers go for this guy. Uh, so again, he was well on your radar um, in this type of thing. Again, Pete, is this another super experienced guy who could be challenging the kind of sort of fresher guys that have come in last year or the year before? Oh goodness, I mean, and there's and there's a bit of a there's a bit of a theme here because every pick so far, I've used words like I love this pick, really like this pick, <laughs> and I have to be really honest with you. Do you like this pick? I look at all eleven of them, yeah. and I and I really like them, <laughs> right? And this guy is just a guy that I think Packers fans are going to love, right? Because he can play every position on the offensive line. So um, a couple of years ago, three years ago, he started at center for Wake Forest and was very, very good. Last couple of years, he's played left tackle and has been very good. I think he's I think he's more suited and he's actually better at center than he is at left tackle. But he's he's a guy that that could challenge Myers for the center role. 
could challenge either of the guard spots and could at a push play right tackle or left tackle. That's crazy. Right. And to have that skill set is incredible. The Packers always love those versatile guys, you know, that can at least cover two or three positions. You know, we've seen that with, obviously, with well, Elton Jenkins, but we've seen it also with the likes of, of um, Lucas Patrick and various other players. But this is a guy that I think is a super football player that it wouldn't surprise me again to see him starting on day one. Now, it's going to be a challenge. You know, he's going to perhaps have to challenge Myers for the starting job at at, at centre. Yeah. Or, or challenge, again, challenge Royce Newman and Ryan for the starting job at right guard or Runyon at the start. So it's a tough, it's a tough ask, but it wouldn't surprise me because this guy's a, a, a damn good football player. And I think that if it weren't for the fact that he played so many positions and played them well, I think he would have gone higher in this draft if he played his whole career at center, for example. Yeah. It's just one of those guys that almost has dropped because people don't quite work out what, what his best position is. Which, I mean, bring him to the Packers. God damn. I yep. mean, if there's a team that gets the best out of their own linemen, it's the Packers. So, oh my God, what a pick. A- absolutely. And when you look at his, his size and all of, all, of, all of the measurables that pro scouts look at, he looks like an interior guy. Yeah. So he looks like a, a center, possibly, possibly a guard, but can absolutely play any of the positions. So again, look, we're all jazzed up. We have your draft guide. We're reading through it. We're seeing you sort of, you know, hit the nail on the head, get in around where they should be. The Packers are picking up players that are, are perfect for them. It, round five. Love it. Yeah. Round five. Pick 179. We get to the 63rd player on your top yep. 300. One that shocked everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, you have him down as going between the second and third round. We're in round five now and we get Kingsley Enigbare. Um what happened, Pete? Do we know what happened or what's, where's your head at with this? No, and, and, and this is the interesting thing about it is normally when you see guys that, that drop that far and, and, and the same to a degree with Rashid Walker, who they took in the seventh round, is, is a story comes out afterwards. Oh, yeah, you know, he, he, he had an ankle injury or he had, he had this or there was this concern that nobody had talked about before. Absolutely none of that has come out to my, to my knowledge. And, you know, if... If the Packers are getting the player who ought to have gone round two, maybe round three, mm. what a pick this is! Oh yeah, and, and you know, and, and it's bizarre because the Packers traded down to this pick in the fifth round, and this guy was still there. Um, again, so so in terms of you know, we like to talk in terms of value. So at pick 100, and, what did you say it was? 179. 179. Yeah. You know, you potentially got a guy that should have been going at pick 60. Over hundred, yeah, over a hundred and ten yep. places, Pete. It's just yep. bananas. Yep, and you got him at a position where you needed to get a guy. You know, we have got Preston Smith, we have got Rashan Gary, and then we've got some 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 younger guys who may yet come through. The Jonathan Garvins, uh, the Randy Ramses, those 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 guys, Tipa Nalii. But we needed this third or fourth pass rusher. This guy's absolutely that guy. And again. I'm raving about it because I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited to be able to, if we'd picked this guy at pick 58, we'd have said, oh, that's a really nice pick. <laughs> and we've got him at pick 179. What what more can you want? And what should we expect to see from this guy? I mean, is this guy that's got to come in as a rotational player almost straight away? I mean, does he have that skill? Yeah. So I, th- so I think we're going to see him on, on passing downs. So, 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 he's, so he's one of those guys that I think is going to grow a little bit and he's already 
you know, 6'4", 258. Yeah. But I think he's going to grow to 265, 270 and look more and more like Rashan Gary and Preston Smith, if you like, phys- physically. Uh, and I think that I think we're going to see him not so much on early downs, but I definitely think we're going to see him on that pass rush rotation, you know, on on third and on third and long downs. Um, and he's a guy that knows how to get to the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, but this, that's the thing, Pete, right? It's not its not always the, the strongest guy. It's not always the fastest guy. It's the guy with the technique. And he does get criticized, doesn't he, for his 40 time. And they say it's the second slowest. Is he a slow player, though? I mean, does he have the technique to get... Would you pick that up in his game tape? No. And, and that's one of the... That's one of the and it's a really good point. It's one of those things where, you know, it's, it's a bit of a cliche, but he plays faster than his 40 time. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I, I know that's odd, but but it's true. You know, on the field, you don't see a slow, you don't see a slow player. You know, you, you, you see a guy that you would prefer to have on passing downs and running downs. Yes, I see that. Um, but, you know, you, you, you don't see that, that big la- lack of athleticism that a slow 40 time would imply. Uh, you, you just don't see that on the field. And um, I love this pick. Abs- absolutely, absolutely love it. A, we needed that guy. And B, what's great about this is you're not going to ask him to yet to do stuff that he's not as good at doing. You know, we can you can use him and he's great forte about rushing the passer. And I, I think it's I think it's great. But that's the thing as well. Like, look at Rashan Gary, the pressure he had to perform. Yeah. And the the sort of stuff about him was, wasn't it, Pete, that like, oh, you know, massive, massive potential. Uh, huge motor, uh, great effort, but sort of very raw. Um, and so there was this sort of thing about like, well, what, why isn't he doing the business yet? What's going on here? What a waste. And then, you know, there was all this narrative. Whereas this is a perfect type of guy who's a second or third round talent. Um, and we all know, like pro golfers, that sometimes the the level and the drop between certain players. I mean, you have him in the second and third round, but he's still a like hyper performance athlete. But here's a guy who can kind of fly under the radar now. He's no pressure, yep. and in fact, people are probably pointing the finger at him, going, "Oh, we're going to see what's wrong with him now soon." Um, and then if that none of that comes true, it's like it's one of those absolute inspired picks by by yep. Goody. But again, yep. there is that red flag, right, of that he did drop this far, so. There's question marks over what will happen there. Will it be a news story? Will it be an injury? I mean, no one knows. Yeah, and this is one of those, you know, one of those questions that we get back to the question we asked or you asked earlier is, is you know, and it's one of those that, that will fly around my head and I will look into in the coming year is why did he fall? What was there yeah. that, made, that made him fall that far? Or what we might find is when he, when he plays on the field, and this is what I think will happen, mm. is that he will show that he should have been a second or third round pick. Because I think over the next, you know, let's not put pressure on him in his rookie season. He's not going to come in and have 15 sacks or anything silly like that. Yeah. But, you know, over the next two or three years, I think he will show why he should have been much, much higher in the draft. It's so like, imagine getting a player this low down. He's going to have a chip on his... Sh- if Aaron Rodgers got annoyed because he got picked, you know, where he got picked. Can you imagine a player like this, uh, you know, and, and again, have people like you and I, um, you know, questioning what's the story with this guy? What's wrong with him? Yeah. You know, and just the fact that I'm saying that, you know, that's that's fuel for a guy to really show the, the people what he's made of. But look, the Packers didn't have a pick in... Uh, round six and once we get to round seven then there's four that come hot and fast so i guess look you know we can delve into it and all that type of stuff but at round seven pete you know you're looking for that sort of value at the back end of the draft so we've uh Tariq carpenter at safety uh from georgia tech uh we've jonathan ford defensive tackle from miami uh we've rashid walker offensive tackle from penn state and samori torre wide receiver from nebraska do any of these players stand out particularly for you or do they look like good value for a round seven pick 
so, so, so I think I think they all look like decent value, and I think Rashid Walker looks like huge value. Mm. Uh, so, so, so I thought he would be fourth stroke, fifth round. He's gone in the he's gone in the seventh round, you know. And I know there are some question marks about him, but but you but you look at him six six three fifteen that kind of size, and probably will grow from three from 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 three fifteen. Um, you know, started more than thirty games at, at, at left tackle. You know. Um, uh, at the at the Big Ten level, so this is a, this is a high level of college of college football. I think he's a good player. Yeah. Um, now he's a guy that might end up at right tackle, might even end up inside at inside at guard. Um, and again, I think you know what the Packers have got here is added at the very worst is they've added even more depth to what's already a strong offensive line. Yeah. And and you can imagine what those those training camp battles and the battles in preseason just to make the roster and, and then to make the starting lineup at, uh, on the offensive line are going to be, are going to be incredible. And this, this guy, Rashid Walker is going to be a part of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, love, love that pick. Um, Tariq Carpenter probably projects to inside linebacker. He's a big, big guy. You know, he's about six, three, 230 odd pounds, which is huge for a safety. Yeah. Um, so he's probably he's almost that tweener, if you like, perhaps a rave, a bigger version of Raven Green. Remember Raven from a couple of years back. Um, but I think I think he's probably been picked probably as much for his special teams skills. Four four seven speed guy, excellent on special teams, and we need those cover coverage guys on special teams. So yeah, yeah, like the pick, Jonathan Ford. It's going to be interesting because I, I would see him probably in direct competition with TJ Slayton, the fifth round pick from last year. Yeah, yeah. Because um, he's, you know, it's a pure That's nose tackle. Well, yeah, pure nose tackle type. Um, so he's not going to get to the quarterback. You're not going to get a lot of sacks. But bizarrely, he's one of those guys that, for some reason, um, has a habit of forcing fumbles. So, <laughs> so it, it, it's it, yeah, it, it it's odd, you know. He he gets stood up on the line and kind of plugs his hole, and the next thing you know, his arm has appeared from nowhere, knocking the <laughs> knocking the football out. Which is a great. You don't know whether it's skill or whether it's luck. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. It's a yeah. great it's a great thing to have. So it will be interesting. I, I like I say, I think barring injury, it seems to me that he'd be in direct competition with 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 T.J. Slayton. Um, and the last pick, Samari Torre probably makes the roster so really? so so yeah the, he's gonna be if the packers keep seven which they might well do receivers then he, then he will make the roster I, I think and i and um really nice football player again a slightly lower level of college football at montana before he transferred for his senior year at, at nebraska where he continued that that le- that level of play um really nice Speed four 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 forty. Yeah, I'm not trying to work out how many fours I put in there, but <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, really re- really nice speed and make and makes big plays. And at the very worst, I think we'll add to your special teams coverage unit. So I think this guy is, although he's picked all the way down in the seventh round, and is a guy that's probably sneaked under lots of radar. And it's a deep wide receiver class and all and all of that stuff, has a legitimate shot at making the roster. 
Yeah, it's incredible looking at some of the coverage for him, looking at Rob Domofsky's sort of summary of him. He he says exactly that, that he's got this big playability and that he yeah. led the Big Ten in yards per catch with 19.7. Yep. Yeah. Which is insane. And he said as well that he starts off his college career, what, back in, uh, what was it, 2016? So the guy has like tons of experience as well, I would imagine, at this stage, Pete. Yeah, so he's one of the, you know, he's 24 years old, which is, in this day and age, is quite old for guys in inverted commas coming out coming out of college. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very experienced. Like I say, was, was had an excellent career at Montana and then transferred for his senior year at Nebraska, where he was just as good. Um, you know, at a higher level of college football. So he's already progressing up, if you like. Um, yeah, I, I just think he's one of those guys that's gone, sneaked under most people's radars because the wide receiver group again, the wide receiver class was so deep in this draft, um, but absolutely has a legitimate shot at making at making the at making the roster. At the very worst, you know, we're going to see him on the practice squad if he were to clear waivers. Yeah. Um, really nice player and. You know, saying that about the Packers' last pick in this draft um, kind of sums up the whole draft. You know, I've gushed mm. about just about every player that we've talked about, and that's because I really believe that. Yeah. I, 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 like I said, slightly surprised at the way the first round went, but I'm happy with it. And as an as an overall draft, I, I it would be difficult, certainly off the top of my head and without going to study of previous drafts, to find one on draft day at the end of the draft that you say it's better than this one yeah which is what an indictment i mean and again your opinions were in black and white well before this draft so you know you can read your takes on these players beforehand and all of the clucking hens on twitter and everywhere else banging on about wide receivers we ended up taking three in this draft as well which is kind of telling so it looks like Gudekunst, as you said looks for that value no matter where it is in the draft and again super excited about some of those players up the top so Pete any parting words then uh, about this draft or, or stuff to look forward to or any of the undrafted free agents that you've seen sort of cross the uh, threshold uh, for the Packers around that you're looking at not a specific one but I, th- but, but I think there is always a message we always see one undrafted guy in camp yeah who for whatever reason didn't get drafted and there was this and there was that but suddenly jumps out in camp and you start to get the reports that the Packers really like this guy you know it might, might be an outside linebacker it might be a safety or whatever, whatever position I don't know who that guy is but there will be that guy mm. that becomes the 53rd guy on the roster you know we could we can bet there will be an undrafted free agent that makes this team no matter how good everything else looks because there will be a guy that just comes through in in, in camp, um, but other than that, you know, it, it's just to reiterate how good I think this right now. We're not talking about yep. two years time, three years time. Yes, we'll re we'll relook at it then. But right now, on paper, if somebody had said, forget where players were picked, if somebody had said you're coming out of this draft with those eleven players, you just said, yeah, thank you very much. I'll you know, I'll, I'll I'll grab those and I'll run away with them because I'm not giving them up. Mm. I really really like this as a as a draft class. And then that's when you do your own personal four 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 forty as well. <laughs> um, which uh, so yeah, no, it, it is exciting because there has been every year that I look at it and I go, God, who the hell is that guy? You know, who the hell is that? Guy? And um, but it does look like there's sort of a at least there's a story um, behind all of these players and why they could do the business in the NFL. Right. Right, and you've just reminded me of something. There's a really, really good point. You can absolutely understand why each of those selections were made at the point they were made as well. Yeah. 
which is not that it matters, not that Goody's going to listen to this and say, oh, I don't know, you know, that's really important or whatever else. But but it's nice to know that. It's nice to actually, I think, as as fans and people that look at this stuff that think, yeah, absolutely, I can, it, you know, this player, whoever it may be, may not have been my first choice at that pick, but I absolutely understand the logic in making that pick. Yeah, and I'm glad we have a GM that will pivot uh, and that will change absolutely. the plan. Um, you know, and what a great point you've made, and, and that's, you know, we can go back now to his, to his first draft, the 2018 draft, and you can look at almost every pick that he's made and, 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 and you can say that he's anything but predictable. Yeah, which, which is which is great. It's almost like he's good at his job, Pete, or <laughs> you know maybe competent, uh, which is just a shocker to us. So if you're going to take anything away from this podcast, do take away that Brian Kudekunst might in fact be good at his job. Um, so there we go. Uh, so look from uh, at dit hedgehog on Twitter, and of course uh, great content as well. You shove into the um, uh, Facebook groups as well, Pete. Um, and keep everyone updated so by all means do dive on that as well and the draft guide is still on the website if people want to go on and you're interested in players you don't have to be a Packers fan and go on and check out the profiles again and be do rest assured that Peter is currently and insanely working on the draft guide already for next year so not unless he gets hit by a bus or gets actually um, employed by the Packers even though I wouldn't put a past GP for still releasing it um, yeah we can expect that uh, next year so fingers crossed Absolutely. so look the schedule is out Pete and you and I are so shocked by the games and the schedule that we have not even spoken once about it and we're not going to go into any of our favourite games or anything like that because the shock is just so high um, and we've we've talked about it on this podcast uh, about the schedule and we'll just let that stand I think as it is so anyway if, if at IT Hedgehog in shock at, uh, at Steady NFL also absolutely flabbergasted now at this point um, and at the UK Packers we will be back next week with more fantastic content if I do say so myself Go Pack Go Go Pack Go <laughs>